Hello everyone and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today we will be comparing notes on Rachel Yoder's Night Bitch and T. Kingfisher's The Twisted Ones. Warning, spoilers ahead. (laughs) What? I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited too. I'm excited that we both picked novels and I have been meaning to read Night Bitch for a really long time. So I'm excited to have you pitch it to me and hopefully get me on board. Oh, awesome. I love a pitch challenge. Yeah. (laughs) We're on episode 20. Can you believe it? (laughs) That's so wild. When I look at our feed uh, in the podcast app, I'm like, oh my God, we have like a respectable number of episodes. I know. There's like a whole stack of them. And we've been so consistent. Yeah. It's like a little celebration. I love it. I'm so excited. 20 episodes. 20 episodes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I wish we could do a bottle of champagne. Hang out with each other. Uh, we'll have to do a big celebration the next time I'm out in uh, the East Coast. In the East Coast. <laughs> in the East Coast. Yeah. When do you think that'll be? 50 episodes, maybe? It's going to be a minute because yeah. you'll, you'll travel for holidays to other mm-hmm. realms. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to Middle Earth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yes, so, um, Scott is coming out here for Christmas, and then I will be venturing into the Caribbean for (gasps) March. Oh, right. Because we're taking our honeymoon, finally, and then, eventually, I'll make my way back to the East Coast, probably Mm -hmm. early summer, so I'm, I'm thinking, like, May. So it could be 50 episodes wow yeah that's crazy a year we'll have to do like a big year celebration yeah when oh well i have it in my notes when we would have started or it's here somewhere april no yeah earlier we started the day of the severance finale so i believe it was in april yeah so Mm -hmm. cool look at us go wow it's all coming together cat i'm so proud look at us Live in the dream. How was your week, Remy? My week. Let me think. It was pretty unremarkable, I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of any highlights. Well, I guess I had a good highlight this morning in that I finished the f- complete first draft of the book I've been working on. Oh so my that's gosh! Pretty cool. <laughs> wow! That's yeah. so exciting. Congratulations. Yeah, so we're uh, transitioning into revision mode, which is exciting because it's so much easier to work with an existing For thing. sure. Yeah. Oh so, my God. Congratulations. Yeah. That's incredible. Thank you. Uh, I can't wait to read it. I think it's definitely in your uh, wheelhouse of interests. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So Hopefully excited. it turns out good. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, oh, so exciting. How was your week, Kat? Did you have anything major going on? Um, oh, yeah, it was a it was a week. I had a talk on Tuesday. So, I gave that. That was a big preparation type thing. And then um I had a really great day Wednesday. 
I cleaned the house and I went and did a float and a sauna did like a little self-care day, which was really fun. And you mean like a sensory deprivation yeah. chamber type sitch? That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, I did a 90-minute float tank session, so that was really cool. I definitely have a hard time quieting my mind, like for meditation and stuff. I'm not very good at meditation, but I find that the tank really helps facilitate that kind of like sinking into just mellow vibes. It's really, it's really nice. Have you done one? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it, they're really fun. I, I like it. Yeah. I was talking with Will about meditation just this week and how I struggle with the same thing. Mm-hmm. And like, I know it's obviously a thing that people have to practice yeah, for before sure. they get good at, but I feel like I'm particularly bad at it. Mm. And I find that um, the only time I can get close to that sort of mental state is when I'm running. Oh, yeah. And there's something about having like a lot of stimulation for my body that is not conjuring any specific thoughts or anxieties and that kind of like I don't know it like just cancels it out somehow for sure that's really interesting Yeah, yeah I know that um I've seen meditation apps that have like mindful cleaning and mindful walking and stuff like Mm -hmm. that um and I think that I used to use the Nike running app and Mm -hmm. Andy Puttycomb I think is his name he did all of like the headspace um guided meditations like he was the original headspace guided meditation person he had runs on the nike run app that were like guided meditation runs which i enjoyed Mm -hmm. so much back when i used to run those were really cool you should look Mm -hmm. into those they're free it wasn't like an app you had to pay for but i really enjoyed that but i suppose if you can already meditate while you run you don't need those but I bet it would make it even more um, effective, perhaps. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's really neat. But yeah, um, and then the rest of my week was fine. Yesterday was pretty shit. There was like some work drama that went down. And so I was dealing with that and I got sad. So I cried and then I went and bought all of the stuff to make homemade bread and then made <laughs> homemade bread. So um, my mental trauma is healed. And yes. I don't know if if you know this, but who needs therapy when you can just spend $80 on bread making supplies? So there you go. <laughs> yeah. And then I some somehow I must have psychically intuited your distress with yes. work because I... <laughs> Texted you a work-based meme oh, <laughs> right so in the good. middle of everything. Oh, so good. I was like, we're so mentally in tune. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one day I'll not have to deal with any of this any, anymore. Oh, God. I can't wait for both of us to reach that stage. Yes. I'm glad I'm, I'm farther away from what you're dealing with now, but man... I just I just want to run into the woods most days. Yeah, really far away. Yeah. Speaking of, 
That's kind of what happens in my oh my piece of media for the week, yes. if you're ready to get into it. I am. I am. Um, so this week, I am covering the novel Night Bitch by Rachel Yoder. Um, this is a novel that came out last year in 2021, and I saw it at my local bookstore at the time, I was really taken with the cover and the title. <laughs> it's a all red cover of these manicured hands holding a plate of raw steaks. And I was like, hmm, I'm interested in this. <laughs> <laughs> grill food. It sounds like grill food to me. <laughs> I know that Romy likes her grill food. <laughs> uh, food on the grill. Yes, please. <laughs> and... It was by a local author as well, so I have a signed copy because uh, she did a signing at nice. the bookstore that I got it at, which was really neat. And I got it, and I read it, and uh, it was a really striking book. It's really different from a lot of the books that I read, and it came into mind to cover this week for me for the, the tail end of spooky season because... I saw, I think it was like the New York Times or someone curated a list of lesser known horror books mm -hmm. to recommend to people for the season. And I saw Night Bitch was one of the covers in the, you know, thumbnail of that article. It was behind a paywall, so I didn't read it, but <laughs> <laughs> I could see that it was included. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, that's interesting. I never thought of this book as being a horror book or even really horror adjacent. It wasn't pitched to me that way because I just picked it up off of the like new releases shelf. Mm -hmm. And um, but I could see how you might you might include it in that genre because it's very surreal. There's mm -hmm. like a lot of magical realism, surrealism, and kind of. A weird, bizarre body transformation stuff in the vein of, you know, the fly and Ooh. things of that nature. So in those ways, I suppose you could, um, I could see how people include it in the horror adjacent category. Hmm. But the main basic premise of the book is that it's told from the point of view of a young mother. She has, a, I think... A son who's about two-ish years old. He's kind of entering toddlerhood, I suppose. And the mother, she used to be, she used to work in the art world. I think she was an artist herself. And then when she had her son, she transitioned into the life of uh, being a full-time mother at home. And in the book, you get her perspective on what it's like kind of going from a life that's more, you know, work-centric to a life that is now limited to just her home almost 24-7 mm -hmm. because her husband works and he travels five days a week wow. for his work. So basically all of the household labor and almost all of the parenting um, are fall to her. Mm -hmm. So she's really, really limited in the scope of her world because of, you know, having to form to the restrictions of what's required to be a parent constantly. And you get a, a real sense of her kind of resentment and her uh, frustration with the repetitive 
and kind of mundane aspects mm-hmm. of what that's like and just a lot of um, insight into <laughs> dealing with a, you know, a nascently formed human who doesn't reason and <laughs> has no explanation for their actions and all those types of things that just sound like an actual nightmare to me because mm-hmm. I, I don't know anything about parenting, but a lot of the things that's described in this book is how I imagine it to be. <laughs> so Yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up, Remy, because I listened to a podcast and I actually think it's been really eye-opening for me. I listened to a podcast called Ladies and Tangents and both of the women who host that podcast are mothers and they podcasting is like their main job and they talk about how being a new mother you don't leave your house like at all and it's really hard because there's it's just like there's nowhere to go. Sierra talks a lot about her experience with postpartum anxiety too and how that influenced like her not wanting to leave her house because mm-hmm. leaving her house would put her baby in, in danger or something bad was going to happen. So it it really opened my eyes as someone who doesn't have children and doesn't doesn't desire children. It it's really nice to have the experience of listening to other people talk about that experience. I think it's opened my eyes to that world a lot more. Yeah. Like I said, I don't have kids either. And I also don't have a desire to ever have them. But from what I've heard from um, parents of new, new children, this, this does seem to be yeah, uh, pretty spot on. Um, one thing that sticks out in my mind is her description of the bedtime routine of just trying to get the kid to go to sleep and how it is like this endless routine that goes on and on every day and it's always like this titanic struggle to get the kid to go to sleep and she is so tired of having it fall to her every single time Mm -hmm. and she's like at her wits end basically in the beginning of the book And one night when she, I think she's just finished going through this routine and she like goes to the bathroom for a minute just to be alone for like five minutes for the first time in forever because she also like never gets to be alone, Mm -hmm. essentially. She suspects that she might be turning into a dog and (laughs) that's kind of the main driving force Mm -hmm. of the plot, you could say, in that she suspects she's turning into a dog, like, she feels like she has this patch of fur that's growing in on her neck, and her teeth feel sharper, and she, like, is is thinking, like, oh, dude, I always have this much hair on my arms, and things like that, and that sort of begins this transition into imagining and or becoming... (laughs) Night Bitch, the dog. (laughs) (laughs) What a name. And I know, what a title. Incredible. I love it. And so you go on this journey with the mother slash Night Bitch. Like halfway through the book, she stops referring to her as the mother and starts referring to her as Night Bitch, you know, Mm -hmm. capitalized proper noun. Mm -hmm. And you 
basically watch her go through this transition where she starts off really miserable and resentful for the burden that her husband has put on her and his uh, ineptitude whenever he's around and sort of the general devaluing of what people think of as like women's work quote unquote which is like very difficult often domestic work that goes unpaid and undervalued almost all the time and she moves from that mindset into a state of being that is more instinct driven and she begins to tap into just this reservoir of female power basically Mm -hmm. and when she starts transitioning into this more instinctual mode, she begins to find much more enjoyment in the work that she's doing and the parenting that she's doing. And she starts to really click more in her role as a mother by becoming more feral, I suppose. Huh. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. Remy, when um, you say instinct, driven Mm -hmm. can you give me an example of like uh, the the contrast sure so when she starts to become night bitch she starts to get a lot of strange urges that you might think of as instinctual so Mm -hmm. she gets these urges to eat raw meat like (laughs) raw steaks (laughs) and stuff like that okay and she also has she kind of okay here's another example there's these kind of like power mommies that she observes and or interacts with at this you know books for toddlers weekly Mm -hmm. event that she goes to at the local library and they're like the kind of moms that you sometimes see on like instagram or tiktok that are like i have everything in my home organized and I have Tupperware for all my kids snacks for every day of the week and it's like I'm the perfect mom blah Mm -hmm. blah blah Uh, my body just went back to normal immediately when I had this kid Mm -hmm. it was effortless (laughs) and like stupid shit like that and she is originally kind of intimidated by them because she feels really I don't know like unkempt and disorganized and incompetent in comparison to Mm -hmm. what they're projecting but over time she becomes less and less intimidated by them and just starts to no longer care about how she presents in front of them and it's this whole thing and yeah she kind of just embraces being weird and not caring that she doesn't come across as the perfect instagram mom if that makes sense yeah for sure yeah one of my favorite parts is that towards the end of the book she finds out that all of those moms are trapped in an mlm (laughs) they can't get out and it's incredible (laughs) oh my gosh it's so perfect i love it (laughs) and another thing that really stood out to me about this book is that the writing itself the prose is really unique I would even describe it as borderline experimental in that a lot of it is stream of consciousness. I think the opening sentence to the book is an entire paragraph long. And so a lot of it is 
just the night bitch, her thoughts like kind of unspooling onto the page and describing how things are going. There's no quotation marks for dialogue. Um, So it's, you're all, you're just going on instinct and vibes basically to figure out what's going on. I love that. And yeah. (laughs) That's so different. I, yeah, I'm really intrigued by that. So one thing that you said is that she stops referring to herself as, or she stops referring to her as the mother um, and starts referring to her as the night bitch. Did you mean she, Rachel Yoder, or is there like self-referential, like the main character referring to themselves as night bitch? That's a great question. I think um, because this is in third person. Oh, okay. Well, it's kind of both, because in the opening line, it's talking about the main character referring to herself as Night Bitch. Mm, okay. Yeah. Interesting. And so, um, but I want to say in the beginning of the book, in third person, she's mostly described as the mother. Yeah, everyone's roles are relative. So there's okay. the mother, the husband, the son. Um, Got it. That's how everyone is. Ooh, that's really interesting. That's a really interesting distinction, too, that she's making there of the Mm -hmm. mother, the husband, instead of the mother, the father, and the son. Mm -hmm. I like that commentary. Yeah. Just peeking through the beginning right now, I'm seeing, yeah, one day the mother was a mother, but then one night she was quite suddenly something else. Ooh, what a line. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a good line. It's cool. And I think... I mean, obviously, we already touched on how you and I don't have kids, but I think this is definitely a book for anyone who knows what it feels like to have their work be underappreciated and that sort of simmering rage that you can get when you know you've put in a ton of work for things and people overlook it because of the nature of the work Mm -hmm. or because it, you know isn't exchanged for a certain amount of wages. Um, There's a lot of interesting commentary in the book about how the work the husband does, because it's like engineering and coding, it's suddenly, you know, real work with a capital W, but the fucking insane amount of work that the mother is doing to build an entire world Mm -hmm. for her child is somehow not work at all. Um, Yeah. So I I really liked that commentary on work a lot. And uh, the main character, she has interesting conversations with some of her friends from uh, the art world uh, when, when she was a professional in that space. And there's a lot of interesting commentary on that as well. And just a lot of interesting commentary on how weird it is to interact with women in the world basically when you are a woman and you have all these different roles that people are expecting you to live up to but some people you know think you should you know focus on being a mom and you should be amazing at it it should be easy Mm -hmm. or some people think oh you should focus on having a career but also be a mom but also make that look easy and it's impossible to meet everyone's expectations but they're still expecting the world of you all the time yeah yeah and 
So I think a lot of that is something that, you know, parents and non-parents can definitely appreciate. And I think that sometimes people who don't want children don't understand the struggle that comes with being a stay-at-home mom and how much work that that would truly be. Mm-hmm. And while you can like acknowledge it, being able to like put yourself, there's value in being able to like experience that narrative from another person's point of view. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a really, really valuable perspective. I agree. Yeah. And then like a fun little bonus element that I really enjoyed from it was that I could tell that it's written with, um, the setting that Night Bitch lives in the town that I was living at at the Aww. time that I, I was that. reading it and I could recognize like all these local places that they were going to. Um, my favorite part was when they went to the specific market downtown <laughs> next Very to nice. the library uh-huh. and there's like a whole scene there and I was like, I want to be there so bad. I love it. I love that place. <laughs> I was just there yesterday. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> So good. That was my spot, and now it's in this book forever, and I love it. Oh, yeah, immortalized. So, yeah, that was that made me really happy. Yes, um, and you'll have but, some of that too in your novel. Yeah, big time. I love that. <laughs> I'm so excited to read the um the scene at the the brunch spot. Yeah. Oh man, I love books. <laughs> but yeah, I don't have. Uh, a ton more to say about it because uh, you just have to read it to experience it. It's a really engrossing book and it's it's really unique and I think more people should check it out. I think it was underhyped at the time, but yeah, uh, I think it got a certain amount of attention and it definitely deserves a lot of good attention. So mm-hmm. I think if if any of those themes interest you at all, definitely check out Night Bitch. Yeah, that sounds super cool. Yeah. Oh, and it also a fun fact, it's created an enduring nickname <laughs> because now Will loves to call me Night Bitch. Oh. <laughs> Just because he thinks it's fun. Has he read it? No. He's just seen the title on my shelf. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. So anytime it's night now. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's all I have on that. So I'm talking about T. Kingfisher's novel, The Twisted Ones. And this is also an underappreciated horror novel. Um, I hadn't heard of this until I was just browsing on Amazon the other week. And I was like, this book's only $2. And I recognized the author's name. They more recently have published a retelling of The Fall of the House of Usher. Oh, wow. Titled What Moves the Dead. And I have been fascinated by the cover art for weeks now. It is this rabbit or a hare, maybe. Um, I don't know if there's a difference. And it has these mushrooms, these really beautiful mushrooms growing from the body. And... um. I started reading that book initially. I bought it on Amazon. Amazon was like, just kidding. We accidentally sold you the wrong copy of this book. So here's a refund. 
And I didn't end up buying the book again just because The Fall of the House of Usher is like a classic Poe tale. And I'm not super into like gothic fiction. And it definitely had similar vibes. And so I wasn't like super into the book as I was reading it. It was good and I would have finished it, but it wasn't catching me in the way that that I had expected it to. But I did like the the prose. I like generally thought that this was a talented author and I was curious to see more of their other work. And so I came across this Kindle deal. I purchased it for $2. It's still $2 on Amazon as of um, October 23rd. So if you're interested, you can go over there and buy it. And I flew through this book. It only took me probably three or four days to read it. And that's with just reading it right before bed. Um, So I guess I'll just cover the basic plot really quick. It's told from the perspective of your main character, Mouse. Um, That's her nickname that she goes by. And her grandmother dies. And her father says, hey, I'm not physically fit enough to like clear out your grandma's house. Can you go down to North Carolina and clear her house out? And then we can sell it and I'll split the profit with you or whatever. And so she's like, yeah, sure, totally. So she packs up herself, her dog, moves from Pittsburgh down to this, this house in North Carolina. And it's like small town, North Carolina. She gets there. She discovers her grandmother is a horrible hoarder. So she's like, oh God, this is going to be a lot harder than I expected. And she ends up staying in her step grandfather's old bedroom. So um, it's one of the only ones that's clean enough to sleep in for the time being. And she finds this journal that he had been keeping. And she's like, wow, this guy had severe dementia. Oh, no. It's like all of his internal thoughts. And he's definitely paranoid about these things that live in the woods. And very quickly, you discover that the things in the woods might not be just the product of a, a an old wandering mind, as they refer to it in the in the book but there's actually something lurking out there and I was so taken by this book um I usually don't read horror before bed and I was surprised at how how easy this went down for me especially because there's a lot of like spooky encounters that the main character has right before bed um (laughs) (laughs) but I, it was just like so far from what what the norm is for scary content that it didn't it didn't scare me in the same way that like oh a ghost pops up before bed or something. Mm-hmm. It is a really great mixture of horror and fantasy in a way that I don't think you really see or I haven't read in the horror genre in the way that it it is written you know how sometimes you pick up a book and you're like yeah like this is this takes a lot of mental energy to read I'm like it's not going down super smoothly and I just really want something that's like easy to read 
this was that for me. It was, it went, I, it actually reminded me a lot of Stranger Diaries in terms of how easy the narrative was to follow, how smooth the writing style was. I really enjoyed that. That's something I really value. Yeah. That's so satisfying. Oh, I love it. And that's why I sped through it so quickly was because the narrator's voice was just so present and likable. And Mm -hmm. it just felt like a friend was telling you a really scary story. And so I just loved it. Um, The narrator was really relatable. She's like this woman in her 30s who does freelance editing and can work remotely. So a lot of it, she's like, I'm going to go to this coffee shop, get a coffee, work on some emails. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I can totally relate to this person. Yeah, I was wondering how she was able to just pick up and move there. Yeah, so she she does a lot of like remote editing work. And I love that her occupation comes through in the narrative as well, because she is like an editor first and foremost. So when she's reading the diary, she's like making like editing notes in her head. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I thought was really cool about this book is that as I mentioned, What Moves the Dead is a retelling of uh, The Fall of the House of Usher. And what T. Kingfisher really likes to do is modernize and uh, use elements of old fairy tales and old horror stories in her in her novels. And so the diary that the, the step-grandfather had been writing was talking about how he had this manuscript, but then it was lost. And the manuscript is based on this old, I don't know if it's a horror story, but it's called The White People. So it's based on this like really classic piece of literature. And it's incorporated so well, it's incorporated so interestingly. And I had never heard of this book. But yeah, I just thought it was it was just a really different approach. And another thing that made the book so enjoyable is that I kind of expected it to just be the narrator dealing with all of these problems on her own. But in reality, she kind of creates this community with these lovely rural folks who like help her and support her and are they they just like become this like little chosen family and it's so sweet and so cute there's like this commune across the street and they all like live in this house Mm -hmm. and they're so sweet and they always invite her over for dinner and they they end up like being with her through her final battle and it's so cool i i love that so they're all really quirky and they're like leader, not leader, but like the person that holds it all together is her name's Foxy. And she is this woman who is like in her 60s. She does her makeup like she's all out on her makeup. She wears these like crazy high heels that she's like running through the woods in. <laughs> she's got uh, perfectly manicured nails that she does herself and she's just like this really interesting quirky woman that like goes around holding a shotgun and hunting and I love her character I think she's so 
motherly to the main character and like really cares for her in a way that it's clear that this character has not been cared for in a very very long time Mm. and so it's just it's just such a nice little community and i love that she doesn't have to go through it all on her own she also has her dog named bongo who is such a good boy um he it's just so clear how much the narrator loves him and how her every thought is like oh god i hope my dog's okay i have to get out of this situation to protect my dog or um at one point the dog runs away and she's like please don't let my dog be dead like and this is like Every other thought is about the dog throughout the Mm -hmm. entire novel. And I really love that. I love that the narrator cares so much about her dog and that it's like at the forefront of her mind in the way that somebody who has a dog, that that dog would be at the forefront of your mind, just like a child. Also, he loves a cheeseburger and I also love a cheeseburger. So (laughs) what kind of dog is Bongo? He's a coonhound mix okay um and the coonhound thing becomes a plot device too because he keeps like catching scents of things in the woods and like darting and like going off running Mm -hmm. so that is kind of how the narrator uncovers what this this threat in the woods is and stuff like that so and i really like the monster in this book and, but it's singular though it's it's not okay. no so there's there's multiple there's multiple monsters it's hard to get into without accidentally spoiling something so i'm trying okay. really hard not to yeah because the title makes me think of this is a, a plural type situation it is but the title is also not referring to the monsters. Ah, uh, damn okay uh, it's it's so <laughs> difficult to explain and i was so intrigued by what the goal of the monsters is but basically i thought that the species of monster in this book was very very different than any other horror novel i'd read it verges on kind of fey themes but also um uh like almost like golem themes too Uh which is really interesting Gollum, not like Lord of the Rings Gollum. No, yeah. Like, um, X-Files. Yeah. (laughs) Gollum. But it was scary, and I want to give a note on the scariness here. Mm -hmm. I I think that this is a really great book to read if you're not a huge fan of horror. I think that it is a really good introduction to the horror genre without being too terribly scary. And I did want to note that the level of horror, while it is still a, a quite scary novel, it doesn't employ your typical like gore and violence and body horror aspects of a, a more traditional horror novel. And I think that that is another part of why I could read it right before bed. It's it's mm-hmm. a lot less graphic and intense so if you're kind of on the fence about whether or not you like want to read horror novels or something i would say that this is more it's definitely less gory and violent and graphic so Mm -hmm. um it's definitely a good place to start does the narrator have a name mouse oh yeah you said that 
and the dedication says to to my mouse. So oh. the the author clearly has someone who that character is directly inspired by, which I think is sweet. Um, but yeah, uh, I I really don't have that much to say on it other than that. Is it relatively short as well? Or uh, does it is it just such a frictionless read that you can fly through it? Um, it's very frictionless. It's not a novella. I think that the page count ends up being around 350. I've been trying to get out of a reading slump recently because I sort of uh, tried to stop buying so many books lately. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was one reason, but... So I had like a few on hand that I hadn't read yet, mm-hmm. and there's one that I kept starting and stopping because it was so, uh, it's just so realistic in describing the particular types of anxieties that one has while uh. doing the type of work that you and I do, mm-hmm. and while they work on the type of degree that you and I have. Ooh. That I had to stop it like two times and to be like, I can't, I can't read about this, this person's experiments not working. It's too much. (laughs) But I finally like pushed through that and now I'm almost done with it. So hopefully the slump will be over Yeah. now that I've gotten this one out of the way. Well, this was a short episode. Oh, we've still got to do our overlap. Kat, did you have anything else you wanted to say about the book or any any other pieces of information that might make people interested? But no, it was just a really light, fun read. Like, it's it's rare that you go into a horror novel and you have the experience of just having, like, just a light, quick, fun read with a good monster and, and not not too, too much going on aside from that. Like Mm -hmm. I, I have a real appreciation for that. I feel like the return is similar in that sense where like I read it really quickly. It was really good. Hmm. Have you read the new Stephen King book? I haven't. Yeah, I listened to it a couple weeks ago and it, it sort of vaguely reminds me of what you are liking about the Twisted Ones in that it's... It's one of his like horror light type, you know, Ooh. books. Mm-hmm. It's I would compare it a lot to the Institute. Oh, okay. Um, where yeah, you have like this younger male protagonist, and most of it is not you know horror mm-hmm. proper. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's uh, there's a <laughs> a major dog character, and oh. it is sort of fae adjacent. Cool. I mean, it's called fairy tale. You can yeah connect the dots. Um, and it, a lot of it is has really cool connections to, you know, like the history of folklore and fairy tales and all that type of stuff. It's good. I would That's definitely recommend cool. it. And it's yeah. very, like, accessible and not scary for the most part. So Yeah. That's all I've really got on it. Cool. All right, time for the overlaps. Okay. One really general one is that these are like pretty horror light yeah. novels and that they are technically shelved in horror, but they're not gonna, you know, 
be super scary. They're, yeah. You can you can read them as a horror lightweight. Yeah, for sure. I think that in terms of like what you were saying about the stream of consciousness type writing, I feel like that translates well to what I was saying about the the narrator of the book coming back to like thoughts of her dog and thoughts of just like the way that the narrator describes their life it's it's kind of in that same vein of like Mm -hmm. stream of consciousness and then my dog did this and then like it kind of gives me a similar vibe I that I didn't say that very well but I know what you mean, though, and I actually wrote down something similar because you described how effortlessly you flew through that book, Mm -hmm. uh, that it turned into a really quick read, and I had a similar experience with Night Bitch because it's so stream of consciousness, Mm -hmm. you are, like, transported into the mind of this main character, and you're just, like, along for the ride, kind of listening to her thoughts and everything, and so... It's it, that strikes me as kind of a, a similar vibe in that you get sucked into that narrative uh, because of the the writing devices that the authors use. Yes, and I also think that that kind of writing device um, tends to be less like exposition heavy, which is always the hardest part of a book for me to get through. I like yeah. don't want you to set the setting for me very much. I want to just be like thrown in and figure it out as I go. And um like from the main character's point of view, that helps a lot. And I would say that that's that's definitely something that you get in the twisted ones where like there's very little exposition. You're just like thrown into this and you're discovering things as the main character is discovering things, which I really like. Mhm. But there's, like, very little description of, like, and North Carolina looks like this. And (laughs) this is all my childhood memories of being at my grandma's (laughs) house, you know? It's, like, it's not like that at all. (laughs) Yeah. No clunky exposition, definitely. Good dogs. (laughs) Good dogs. I mean, major dog characters is an overlap. (laughs) Yeah. You can definitely say that. And night. Nighttime. Nighttime. All of all of the stuff is happening at night in my mm-hmm. novel, for the most part. The main characters go by aliases, for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. Huh. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know exactly what the nature of the monster slash monsters are in yours. You said they might be fae adjacent, but um, yeah, there's definitely a surrealist... Um, I don't want to say fantasy, but yeah, there's a strange surrealist element of Night Bitch where you can't really discern what's going on exactly, and <laughs> hmm. or that could just be my read of it. Um, hmm. but there's definitely strange, strange things taking place. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, Kat, anything else you want to add? Um, I don't think so. But I think that was a really cool way to actually have our spooky season finale because i messed up the the schedule but um yeah so definitely go check out these novels um i'm sure that they're both available on like libby and overdrive and through like your libraries as well so Mm -hmm. that's always great cool 
Bye, Remy. <laughs>